Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others to Christ, us first, then them, in casual ways that welcome all to worship, right? We're becoming all things to all people that by all means we might save some. That's the verse from last week. Uh, and then be in a community, unified, unified believers, right, uh, that serves the greater community. And that's, um, that's kind of our mission. That's our goal. And for the last three weeks and for the next four, if you count today, uh, we're talking about what does the church do in accomplishing those goals? What, how do we do it? What's the motivation behind it? And what did Jesus intend when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? Can't stop us, which I love that promise, right? But how do we do it? And uh, I've, I've noticed in my coaching, uh, to play soccer is one thing, to have kind of a plan or an agenda or, or a general understanding that the whole team works on uh, makes for more wins. Uh, and I want to win at church. Amen? And, and I want to have fun. Uh, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. But we've started an acronym for fun, uh, not because you can find it in the Bible, because there are no acronyms in the Bible, really. Uh, not in English. Anyways, we'll get to that some other time. Uh, but we made this acronym so that you could follow and maybe have it be more memorable of who are we and what has God intended us to be. And then how do we do it? How do we chase it? And uh, the, the acronym's uh, very memorable. It spells out church, right? Uh, we started uh, with you, Unified Believers, Right? You see that in our purpose statement. And then we, last week we did culturally relevant. We, we called that the second C, the second to the last in the analogy uh, or acronym. If you pull out your outlines, you can turn and look on the back and the very bottom on the right, there's the acronym. It has the two that we've done in, in regular font. And then we've got the bolded out for today, the second letter, the first H, C, H, Holy Spirit led. Uh, there you have it. There's a second definition in our acronym. Uh, now we're done. Have a good day. We'll see you later. Right? Uh, how nice would it be if it was that easy? But it's not. And actually, probably one of the important reasons for talking about it is because the Holy Spirit is probably the forgotten part of the Trinity. Uh, which is kind of odd because in the very beginning, he was on the scene. Right In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was null and void, and the Spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters. From the very beginning, he's been involved, been part of the plan, and orchestrating. Uh, in fact, Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. Right? We're going to look at that in a little bit. Uh, and yet, we don't access the Spirit, if that's how you say it. Or we don't respond to the Spirit, if that's how you say it. Uh, in fact, the confusion about how you say it when it comes to the Spirit lends to the argument that he's been forgotten. And God really does want to lead us. Uh, in fact, you're all followers. So am I. I mean, from the day you're born, you're a follower. And at the beginning, you don't really have any choices. You, you can't do anything, right? My dad used to say there's only five things a baby can do. Right? We'll talk about those another time. You, you won't really want to talk about them in church. Poop, pee, barf, sleep, eat. That's it. 
Right? Uh, later, as you get more faculties, you kind of have choice, but really there's always a parent or a teacher or a coach or a boss or whatever. I mean, you're a follower, period. And, and here's the reality. Your, your rub is not, am I a leader or a follower? The, the rub is, who am I following and who has been a leader and who gets to be a leader and who will be another leader later for me? We're always looking for who's a good leader. Uh, fascinating where leaders come from in our lives. Sometimes uh, they're different genders. Sometimes they're older. Sometimes they're actually younger than us. That weirds me out when I take a leading from somebody who's actually younger than me. Uh, but we get them from people with more experience uh, or more knowledge or whatever it is. But the reality is, if you, if you really thought about it, we're followers. And if that's the truth, then the only question becomes, who are we following? Who do we choose to follow? And, and how do we want to influence that decision? And the argument I want to make for you this morning, it's not really an argument, I mean, just the point that in the beginning, um, we said the Spirit was, on the, uh, was there, but from the beginning, not only was he there hovering over the surface of the waters, but when the first man enters on the scene, what's one of the first things God does with him? He pulls him aside and starts talking to him, giving him direction and acting as his leader. Original di- design was for us to be led by God. Pretty simple. We should probably say amen, amen. Amen. All right. Uh, But there's where we stray. And we see that in the beginning. God shows up. The most simple instructions of all time. There's only one thing you need to pay attention to. And Adam and Eve mess it up. Soon as they do, God shows up on the scene and leads again. And Adam and Eve mess it up. And God shows up on the scene and leads again. Cain and Abel mess it up. And God shows up and leads again. The original design was always for him to lead us. The original sin is that we've been bucking that system since the beginning of time. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, okay, we're not doing that anymore. I'm going to solve sin. I'm going to solve you. I'm going to solve God himself. I'm going to solve all of it. And we're going to do something different. And here's a new word for you, church. First time we see the word church in the Bible, Jesus says it. He says, here's what I'm going to build. There's a whole new set of rules. Uh, And by the way, we're going to win. Pretty cool. Uh, So that's what we're doing. And I want to make the case this morning that we need to be Holy Spirit led. Because I think that's what God's called us to. We're going to do it from uh, Galatians chapter 5. There's many places we could do it. We've picked this one. I'm going to reference John 14 as well. But we're going to fly because I'm having fun. I'm excited. Sorry. Not really. I'm having fun. I hope you will too. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 25. Most of your Bibles, that's midsection. And uh, your section starts really at verse 16. And why are we have three verses ahead of time? Because I, when I read it, I go in context that we really need the first three verses to go with what we're doing. Because w- what we do when we say, hey, uh, this is so-and-so, they're going to be your new boss. Hey, this is so-and-so, it's going to be your new mother-in-law. This is going to be your new... Um, Coach, this is gonna be your teacher. Hey, for the next semester, you gotta follow this. We think control, bound. I'm in a cell. I've got a ball and chain. Whatever we we think restrictions and limits. And how long is my leash? And that's the wrong way to think about leading when it comes to God, because God wants to lead us to, uh, we say sometimes greener pastures, bigger horizons, more opportunities, growth, healing great things. When God leads, it's to great places. 
usually when we think of leading in human terms, we think of limitations and uh, constriction and the whole thing. That's not how it works. And you have to understand Paul's tone as he leads into this discussion about Holy Spirit and how we approach him. Because what he's talking about in in verse 13 is that we were called to freedom. Freedom, right? We got to say it like William Wallace, Braveheart, right? Hey, you can take this, you can take that, but you never take our freedom. You know that that's true with God? Why do we still have the argument about God's sovereignty, predestination, and, and determination? And then do I have a choice? Do I, do I really, do I get to make decisions? Why do we still have that? Because God values our freedom. There's something weird about that. He has total control, and yet he values our freedom at the same time. How do those both work? Don't know. Can't really explain it totally. I can experience it. You can experience it. But when we get to heaven, that's a great question for him to answer. Amen? Amen. Right? And then why, why so many leaves on the artichoke? It doesn't make sense. Right? Those <laughs> two, two top questions. Um, but we were called to freedom. We were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. It's weird. We, we have this opportunity and yet we use it for other things. God says, well, why don't, why don't you follow me and see what that looks like? What's that experience? See, here, here's the argument I want to make with you. Yes, there's things you can do when you pursue your own life and your own decision and the whole thing. And you, and you, you probably have some good experiences and bad experiences in your the gamut of whatever you, happens there. The question is not what that path looks like. The question is the whole other path. If you were led by God and you tried to follow, what would those experiences be? And what would you miss out on over here if you decided to do your own thing? It's not so much I think that the experiences you have over here are going to be the definition of good and bad and what was it like and the whole thing. The the real definition, the real value is not what you experience here. It's wholly other that you totally missed out on because it was this thing over here that you never experienced. What does it look like to be led by the Spirit? To have a regular, ongoing interaction with God and see how that plays out. Most people, that sounds like Greek. It sounds EBGB and the whole thing. God speaks to you literally, like audibly, you hear his voice. No, never. I mean, maybe through my wife once in a while. No. I think it's wholly different. And until we pursue it, experiment with it, ask for it, pray about it, it, God can't show you these things because he values your freedom. He says, I'm going to value your freedom and give you these things if you choose them. So why would you choose these other things? Don't choose those things. That's where we're going in the next couple of verses. All right? But love through serving one another. Love and serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. How do, how do we love our neighbor? Like we made a list. We made a list of all the different ways to love your neighbor. Well, I should watch the language that I use. I should show up on time. I should keep my promises. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can put in. If they're half dead on the side of the road, I should pick them up, put them on my donkey, ride them to the inn, and... Give them two denarii, right? That's the story from last week, by the way, if you weren't here. Um, 
How about this? Verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. He says the default, because I know that where this is going, is you guys are going to eat each other alive. Don't do that. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He says, here's how you love your neighbor. Number one on the list. If you're making a list of how you love your neighbor, walk by the Spirit. Loving your neighbor starts actually with your interaction with the Spirit, not with anything you do towards them or receive from them. It's not the interaction with the other person. It's your interaction with God and how that sets the tone and the foundation and um, writes the programming for how you're going to function. Now, notice this. It says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's where we're trying to go with this. And I'm making the argument, well, that the top of the list of how to do that is the walk by the Spirit. Does that fit? It does fit. If you think, where did love your neighbor come from? Remember, that was the story also last week. A lawyer comes to Jesus, says, how do I accept, uh, get eternal life? He says, I don't know. What's the law say and how does it read to you? He says, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. What just happened there? What comes first? Before you love your neighbor, you love God, which means you let him lead you, which is walk by the Spirit. All ties together. Before we can be a church or be a unified body of believers or be culturally relevant, we got to know where we're going and who's really driving the ship. Right? I forgot to mention this first hour. There's your second service extra. Who, who's the senior pastor of Rock Bible Church? Can't find it on the on the on the website. I'm the lead pastor. Because who's senior? God is. He's leading the ship, right? I might not always be here. Who knows? Lord forbid, right? God is good all the time. Amen. Right? <laughs> uh, but therefore, we want to watch out what decisions we make. Verse 17: For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Wait, wait a minute, which things that I want to do? There's two lists there. There's desires of the flesh, desires of the spirit. Which one do you want to do? Well, it doesn't matter. In that scenario, it doesn't matter which one you want to do. The other one will oppose you and keep you from doing what you want, try to keep you from doing what you want to do. Whether you want to follow the flesh, the spirit's going to try to stop you. If you want to follow the spirit, the flesh is going to try to stop you. Be aware. Within you, there's a conflict that should not lead you. Outside of you, there's a God who should lead you through the conflict. That's how it's meant to work. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Freedom. We're not worried about whether we're going to make one violation, make one mistake, and now it's all shot and I'm in trouble and it's over. That's not how the game works anymore. You have freedom. So if you make a mistake, move on and try to get it right and move forward. Now watch. This is kind of interesting what's going to happen here. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Self-defined. Easy to identify. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Okay, wait. We're going to get into a really long list here. Okay? And here's, here's your natural default. You're going to go, ooh, that one's pretty bad. Ooh, that one's pretty bad. Ooh, I, I thought the last two were bad. That, that one seems worse. Oh, just when I thought it was bad, the fourth one got even worse. And they're all going to be bad. 
okay? Instead of spinning on how bad they are, here's, I want you to play the Sesame Street game, okay? Trademark, all rights reserved, whatever. Uh, all of these things are similar for a reason. What do they have in common? As we read through the list, I want you to think, what do they all have in common? Because we're going to come back to that, and we're going to do the exercise again with another list. Okay, so you got to get good at this. There's a test at the end. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, other translations say fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. What does that phrase kind of imply? Things like these? You thought the list was comprehensive, right? It's like, oh my goodness, how long is this list going to be? And you get to the very end and says, by the way, there's more. He says they're evident. You should be able to pick them out, the things that aren't on the list here, but really are on the list. What do all of those things on the list have in common? They're all sins, sins, okay. And they're sins because they focus on who? On yourself, okay. First service struggled, man. They were quiet and nervous. No one wanted to answer. I think a visitor had to answer. I don't know. We've got to find out what church they went to. And uh, Anyways, because um, they're getting good answers there, whatever. Uh, these are all, they're, they're all focused on self. In some way, they cater to me. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ouch. Is, is it Bummer Sunday? Anybody doing Bummer Sunday? I don't, I, don't, I don't like Bummer Sunday. I want to do Happy Sunday, right? But he just said we're not going to inherit the kingdom of God if you do any of those things. You know, that's, that's a problem because we don't want to talk about this in too many environments, but there have been some sidelines of soccer game events where I may have had a fit of anger <laughs> once or twice in my life. <laughs> a month. Am I disqual? Am I out now? Is that it's over? That's not the point of what Paul's saying. What Paul's saying is, if your focus is yourself, you're not headed to the kingdom. You can keep all those things in check and still be focused on yourself and not headed to the kingdom. That's bad news. It's not about your specific acts. It's about where's your head's at? Where's your heart at? What's your intention? Who's leading you? If you're leading you, you're not leading you to the kingdom. If God's leading you, well, then there's hope, right? But I mean, this is bad news. This is a bummer. This is bummer Sunday, Scott. I don't care what you say. This is a bummer. No, no, no. Time out. Ready? Something just happened that turned it into Happy Sunday. And we already read it. And here's the clue. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. How's that? What just happened there? There's an implication. There's an assumption. There's a back door, right? It's inheritance. What's on the table? inheritance to the kingdom of God. Now, you want to talk about Bummer Sunday or you want to talk about 
There's an inheritance out there, right? Anybody make mistakes? Six, seven, oh, good. There was only two first hour. <laughs> there's like 20-something of you already raising your hand. Some of you are trying and not sure where you're going with this. And here's the thing. Good job. All the people who didn't raise their hand first hour, because only really two people. One of them was a the sound guy, yeah, right? <laughs> Everybody else, I told them, well, you just lied, which makes you your liar for Sunday, right? Anybody make any mistakes on Friday? Yeah, okay, good. So did I. I don't want to talk about it. Anybody want to talk about their, their mistakes on Friday? No, no, no. Now, Friday night... I got to go to a party. And I do want to talk about that, right? Anybody want to talk about a party? Parties are way more fun to talk about than what mistakes you had, right? At the party, there was Mexican food. I didn't make it. I got to eat as much as I wanted. And, and, and there was a bunch of people. Great time. Why would I want to talk about mistakes? When there was a party to talk about. Same thing here. We can talk about all these things you could do, mess up, or we can talk about what the, what's the party look like, right? That's what's going on, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the leading of the Spirit, leads to what? Love, joy, peace, patience. Did I tell you we're going to have another list and you're going to find out what they all have in common too this time? That's what we're doing. What do these all have in common? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things, there is no law, total freedom. Now, any guesses as to whether there's a bigger list than just the ones named here? Just like in the previous list, there are more things like them than what was listed? Absolutely. How would you know what fits into this list? What do they all have in common? The first one was focused on self. The second one's focused on, on others or on God. Right? The only one that's a little bit difficult, self-control. How do we sell that as focused on God and not me? Because I'm controlling self. I mean, self's in the word, in the phrase. Because you're controlling yourself based on his projections. So you're following his leading focused on him and there's the the neighbor thing where sometimes if you don't control yourself you're going to affect someone else as a byproduct or someone else could be put out because they have to come and clean up your mess because you couldn't because you were incapacitated because you didn't control what you should have controlled they're all outward focused that's what the spirit's doing how are we doing for others Love in our phrase where we say we're compelling ourselves first and others to Christ, right? Because we've got to have that end game of are we focused on God and other people? That's how we get to the party, the inheritance of the kingdom of God. That's the direction the spirit will lead you. It's a great, great little litmus test you can do for a leading of the Spirit. I think God wants me to. You know, it's a great phrase. I think God wants me to. Don't say, I know God wants me to. That makes everybody nervous. Okay? Even me and he and I are in business together. Okay? I think God's leading me. Here's, here's a little test. Is it hurt someone? Does it benefit you but nobody else? Is it based on his intentions and what we can find of his will from his word? That's how you know if it might be his leading, right? 
Verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus and have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's what they do. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. He says, here's, here's what we're to do as followers, as his body. If we're going to be the church, we've got to be led by God, namely led by his Spirit, which is how he says it in the Bible. Okay? Now, how do we do that? And I think we get a couple, couple um, clues to it from this passage. But, but one... You've got to have a trust and a faith that he's leading you in the right direction. When you do that, then you've got to ask you, are you, yourself the question, are you willing to let the Holy Spirit lead what? First of all, your steps. The passage talks about verse 25. It says, hey, we're, we're supposed to walk in the steps of the Spirit. Right? It says a couple different places. Uh, and how do we do that? Well, fruits of the Spirit. I said, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. How do you make in your next step, your next decision? You know, as humans, we're always thinking of final destination, end game. You know, five years from now, I want to be this or whatever. You know, I want my kids to that. And I want my job to go this direction. I want to live here. Well, great. Those projections for down the road, awesome. But... Anybody who does vision, mission planning, vision planning, goal setting, the whole thing, you set this goal out here, but the first thing you got to do is pick your, your very next step. Like, how do I get, if I'm going to get way over there, what's my next step? Where am I going next? Do you know that God can help you with next step? That very next little thing that you're going to do, God wants to be a part of that little piece, that intricate, may feel like nothing piece, but he cares about it cares about you see it's not for him it's not just about the destination but are you willing to give him all the little uh, decisions along the way like love joy patience peace and kindness goodness faithfulness all those things as you're interacting with people what are you going to say in your next sentence what words are going to come out of your mouth what decisions are you going to make what's going through your own head and talking to God about those little things you ever prayed right before you walked into a meeting? This weird, weird kind of thing. I started quite a while ago um, because I started to have. I became a pastor, and I started having meetings that were freaking me out. Not during the meeting, before the meeting. You know, somebody calls, they're not happy, or they're agitated, or they're afraid, or they're crying. Hey, can we meet? We got to meet. Sure, this is the correct answer. But then when you're about to walk into the meeting. I go, okay, God, uh, no idea what's about to happen here. They're going to make some statements or they're going to ask some questions or whatever. Help me out. I have no idea what's coming. How often do you do that? It has saved me several times. Sometimes I'm, I'm not even sure how it happened. And I felt lost the whole time. And when the meeting's over, like, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't do anything. I was just here and I, I tried and I was present, but God must have done something and I just asked him to give me the strength to just take that one next step of walk into the meeting. It makes it worth it. 
But see, here's the thing. You're never going to have enough information. You're never going to know everything. You're never going to know what your actual destination is. You might have projections of where you want to be. But God might change the destination and might change the course of how to get there and therefore might want to change the very next step you have. I was like, well, it's, all, it's not that big a deal. I'm just meeting with so-and-so and we're, we have a good relationship and everything's great. Yeah, but maybe he wants to bring something up out of that conversation, push you, move you, whatever. Are you willing and open to that? And... and Quite frankly, folks, um, we're not because we're not used to that, right? We're used to, well, if you need something done, run harder, faster, stronger, longer, right? My dad used to say it all the time, when the going gets tough, you've met my dad. <laughs> Is that true? I mean, in some sense, it's true. I want to teach to our kids, you got to try and you know, take initiative and be proactive and that whole kind of thing. But what if when the, tough, when the going gets tough, the tough access God? The tough ask God? The tough pray? Wait? Ask for a leading? How about when the going gets tough, the tough get going through God? Just add a couple of words to the end. Dad, great phrase. Thanks. Loved it. Want to add a little bit to it. The tough get going through God. And then I'd want to say, and you can't really use the word tough to define anybody unless God's in the equation because then they're really not tough. Amen? Amen. But there's, there's a, a new practice that we've got to get used to. It's foreign. It's, it's not innate. It is totally learned accessing God and accepting, hey, you know, if I try this, this is going to hurt. You know, they might not even reciprocate. They might blow me off or whatever. They're going to take me to court. What? Who knows? They're still going to file papers. They're still going to this. I'm going to that. It's going to hurt. It's going to cost me money, whatever. I'll look bad. People might talk about me. Who cares? They're wrong. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Have you ever thought about it that way? They're wrong. God has determined your value, period. He's determined your course, period. There's nothing left to discuss other than are you going to be part of his plan and walk in step with him or you can go do your own thing. See, at some point you got to decide that you're going to let him lead you even though you don't know totally where you're going or how to get there. Right. Second thing we need to do, I mean, we're going to let the Holy Spirit lead your steps. We're also going to let the Holy Spirit lead your walk. Not just one step, but all your steps. And how about not just which step? Because, you know, when you're crossing a stream and you're picking stones, you want to make sure it's solid so you don't fall in the river. That's one kind of picking one step. But how about the course? Looking a little bit farther, where are, does it look like there's more stones where I can actually get all the way across the river. Have you ever tried to cross a river and you picked some good stones and then you got about halfway out there and realized you're out of stones? And you look up the river or down the river and you realize, oh, there's a better spot over there if I had started over there. That's one way to look at it. How about your style? How you walk? I don't mean your strut, you know, how you, whatever. I mean how you carry yourself, how you respond to people regularly. What is your default behavior in the midst of conflict or surprise? or frustration, pain, sickness, where do you default? How do you carry yourself? That's a big deal. 
And asking God for a leading as to God, how do you want me to act in general, not just on specific terms? But how do you want to change the DNA of my, my brain, the inner dialogue of how I think about things, how I feel about people? What do I project? Am I going to assume the best? Oh, folks, we, we do negative. I mean, we're surrounded by pessimists and the whole thing. And the worst thing on the planet is movie critics. I, I, it's, it's the, the bane of our existence. It's a, it's a continuation of sin in our lives is that we can just get really good at criticizing everything all the time. I figured it out. I figured it out. When I look at movie listings and, and then there's a critics and they're like 31% by the critics, like, awesome, I'm going to the movie. Because they're just trying to rip it apart and whatever. And, and when they rip the movie, I usually like it. Amen. It's not an amen, but amen. When I look at the audience, how the audience responds to it, it's very different than the crowd. Or, or the critics, I mean. Critics almost a waste of time. Why? Because it's just default behavior on our behalf. We've got to change that. And then give. Why, why do you go to the movies? To be entertained, right? Give them a chance. They're trying to they're trying to project a story. They got cameramen and actors who aren't the easiest to deal with, right? They got a budget and the whole thing, and they're trying to project things. And it's just give them a little leeway to take you down the story. It's not real. Don't act like it is. But you got to believe that they're leading you somewhere. And even if it's not a happy movie or whatever, you're going with it because you want to see where the story is. Then you can enjoy your movie experience. I'm sorry. Then you can enjoy your God experience. You be a critic or you can be part of his crowd, right? See, we got to figure out how to walk in the spirit. And, the, and your steps are defined by the fruits of the spirit. Your walk is defined by the desires of the spirit. The first one is general for everybody. But you know, the, the spirit has specific desires for your life, a specific path for your life. And you can ask God, where do you, like, where do you want me to sit? My very next step, I have to pick a, ch- a seat at church. Should I pick this one? Yes, you're going to be second one in from the left front row. This is going to be your chair. Great, that's, that's him picking a step for you. But, but what's the greater purpose? Why are you here? Why not there? Why not over there? Whoa, front row. Why? Because Rock Bible Church people need to learn how to sit in the front. We're projecting, we're going in a direction. I want you to get more attention out of this thing and, and suck more in. And if there's less people in front of you, you'll be less distracted. And besides, the Raider fans sit in the back and everybody's afraid of them. And just sit in the front. We're going somewhere with this. And at some point, you got to decide whether you want to follow the path, even though you don't totally understand it. Understanding that your path is going to be different than everybody else's. And you can choose a bunch of stuff on your own, but why would you miss out on all the things that could be your path that he wants for you, that he'll do through your relationship with your spouse or your kids or your parents or your workplace or your teammates or your coach or your boss or your teacher or all those awesome relationships that you could have. You can go negative with it or you could say, "Mm, there's something to be taken from this, right? Are you a pessimist or optimist? I got a truck. You know, nobody liked me. And then I got a truck. Hey, Scott, I'm moving. Can I borrow your truck? Hey, Scott, I need a day. Can you help me move? Today, Scott, I hear you got a truck. I had this truck and all of a sudden everybody liked me. They didn't. They liked the truck. But for a little while, there was, a, there was an age, 
right? The dark ages of the Berglund life where I was getting resentful and bitter. Because I started feeling like, oh, people call me because they want my truck. I'm a tool for them to use, but I'm not really cared about and the whole thing. And I, got a, I was getting a little bit bitter. It's like, no, Scott, you bitter? That never happened. Thank you. <laughs> but you don't know me very well. So I changed my perspective and said, you know, the more phone calls I get to help and do things like that, I can look at it as work or I'm going to wear and tear my vehicle or I'm going to pay for gas that I'm not, it's not for me or whatever. And it's going to cost me in several different ways. Or I could look at it. I get to interact with more people. I get to learn how to interact with needy, frustrated, difficult people who want help. And I, I could actually practice human interaction. And, and how about I do that? How about from now on, whenever they call for the truck, your answer has to be yes. I actually made that decision at one point. I changed my perspective. I don't know where it's leading, but here's how God wants me to walk. And then a little while later, I got rid of the truck. <laughs> Amen. It was the Lord's leading in my life. Right? Spirit was leading. Uh, now, so you know, here's the deal. We're always, we're always stuck on, like, where's the destination, right? And I'm trying to sell you on the next step and then how you walk and the journey to getting there. But really, you do have to let the Lord and the Holy Spirit lead your destination. Okay, there you got it. I know this is your, your main concern. Right, so you did get destination, right? And where's our ultimate destination but kingdom of God? But at some point, you've got to trust that there's a path and, and an agenda of where you're going to go and end up, and that it's good. I'm in a totally different destination in 2017 than I ever thought I would be. You know, all my forecasts and all my quarterly reports and projections of where we would be and all that. I know some of you guys lose that language at work. I don't, so I have to use it on Sundays because it's the only time I get a chance to do that, right? Um, I never, ever projected myself being here doing this the way we're doing it, right? I mean, some of you guys, it is a blessing of the Lord that you're sitting here with me. And here's the destination God brought me to. Amen. Absolutely love it. But the ride, oh, the ride is so sweet. Prince, anybody? But the ride, the ride is so sweet. No, sorry. <laughs> a while ago, it was, it was a little bit a while ago. Um, that was not a good reference, by the way. <laughs> just rethinking of many things in my life right now. Um, I was, I was younger, and, and I got to go to Grandma's house. And not just Grandma's house, but by myself, one whole week, me and Grandma on a plane flight for the first time by myself. 
I thought it was amazing because the lady brought me two sodas, not just what, when the first one was gone. She brought me another one, and I'm riding in a plane by my, I mean, this is the greatest thing. And I, I can't remember if I was eight or 10 or something. I was way too young to be flying by myself. My kids will never get that experience at that age. I don't know. It's a different age, and it scares me to death now. But at the time, it was amazing. And when she picks me up, we're going to have so much fun, and we're going to make cookies, and we're going to go in the pool, and we're going to play Rummy Cube. Anybody play Rummy Cube? I mean, that was the rage, wasn't it? And she was amazing at it, right? Beat me mercilessly. Got my competitive side from Grandma Berglund, period, okay? So anyways, but she says, but there's one day, one day we've got to go run some errands. I got to do some shopping at the store and the whole thing. And you're just going to come have to hang out with me because can't stay home alone. Grandpa's at work and that's just the deal. So it'll be a rough day, but we'll make it through. The other days we're going to have a lot of fun and, and we did. But then we got to that day. Hey, get dressed, get in the car. We're going to be driving. You've got to have good shoes on because we'll be walking a lot and the whole thing. And, you know, I don't know how often we're going to find bathrooms, so don't drink too much. And all this. And we're getting all this lecture. And we get in the car and we start driving, and all of the dread questions start coming up. Grandma, how many stores are we going to? How far is the drive? How long are we going to be there? What time will be home so I can go swimming again? I mean, I'm just, I'm along for the ride with grandma, but I'm knowing that the ride's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough day. And we're in LA, and next thing you know, we're in Orange County. And next thing you know, we're at Rosecrans exit. And we're driving by, and there's this huge sign that says Disneyland. <laughs> what do you think? No, that's not what I was thinking. I know what you're thinking right now. What I was thinking is how unfair that we have to go shop at a store across the street from Disneyland, and I'm going to be here all day looking at that sign thinking I could have been there, but instead I'm with Grandma in the car and shopping and walking around and tired, and I don't even get a swim, and like Mickey Mouse is right over there. And then she turns. And everybody's got a name tag, colorful uniform. Not faded uniforms, colorful uniforms. Hi, how are you? And I got to park right here and sounds and music and ice cream and popcorn and rides. And I, man, it was great. See, Grandma took me for a ride. Man, show me where my final destination was until I got there. But when I got there, oh, man. Oh, man. Welcome to your relationship with the Lord. You might have to sit in the hot Cadillac with no AC and the, the vinyl thing where you're sweating and it sticks and it's uncomfortable. I remember it, right? I was like, you can't call this a Cadillac. But where are you going? How are you going to talk to grandma along? Are all the dread questions going to come up? What steps will you choose? How will you walk? And do you trust the driver with the destination. Absolutely. Absolutely. You see, we're meant to be led by the Spirit. Step with the Spirit, walk with the Spirit, and where's kingdom of God really going? What, it, what are the desires of Spirit? Do you believe that to be true? See, we don't always get all the information. 
And maybe it is that you have to play this game with God that I play with my family. I don't know what it is, but my kids, sometimes even my spouse, they've started to do these things where they ask me questions and they give me no information. Hey, can I go to that thing? What thing? Was, did thing show up and I didn't even know thing was? Or, or, do we have to go to thing or what is thing, right? Welcome thing. <laughs> thing is here. That's about as much information as I get from my family. No information. Like, what just happened? I have no idea. So I started playing this game with, with my kids, mostly. I said, let's, let's play this game. Let's pretend I know absolutely nothing, and you give me as much information with as much detail as possible so I know what time does it start, who you're going with, am I actually driving, am I picking you up, when are you coming home, how much does it cost? Like, pretend that I need to know all of that information and then regurgitate, vomit it out to me so that I might have an actual conversation with you and figure out where we're going with this. Do that with God. God, let's pretend I know nothing and I'm in over my head and I have no idea where we're going. Give me as much information as I possibly can so I can do what you want me to do. You ask that question and then, and then be ready for the, the spectrum. Right? There's spectrums everywhere anymore, so we're going to use our own spectrum here. There's a spectrum of you might be drinking from the fire hose because he's going to set up seven meetings with you and bless you this way, but take this away from you. Your schedule's going to change, and now that you might get sick or maybe you get healthy. and All these different things going on, you feel like you can't keep up because there's 48 things to do, and you can only handle 46 because you're better than me. My limit is six. But it's just too much going on. Or it might be that he takes you all the way to the other end of the spectrum and goes, here's what you need to do. You need to walk into that meeting at nine o'clock. Yeah, but who's going to be there? No, 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 no. Here's all you need to know. Walk into that meeting at nine o'clock. Yeah, but what do I bring with me? No, there's only one thing you need to know. Walk into that meeting. And we see it in scripture. Adam and Eve, one thing. Here's the one thing you need to know. And we see other places in scripture where they're dealing with all kinds of stuff, like Noah, 48 things times two somewhere in that spectrum is what he's going to start giving you and you got to look for it enjoy it have an appetite for it and run with it because God's going to make decisions you don't like (sighs) did you really say that yes God's going to make some decisions you don't like and God's going to make some decisions when you're lacking information God will make decisions that cost you confuse you force you to cooperate and it will be a test you believe it we're going to test you today God's going to push you in ways and then say are you willing to follow my leading amen that's how we be the church father thank you for your word we thank you for what John fourteen twenty five says, that your spirit will teach us all things and bring to remembrance all that you've taught us. And I pray, Lord, that you would have your spirit lead us that way and that you would have us look for it, create an appetite for it, and that we would be what you've called us to be. We thank you, Lord, also for the offering that we're about to receive. And pray that you would use it to help us be a church led by you. 
And then, Lord, we pray for those who are guests or visiting that they feel no obligation to give, but recognize that we do this out of our own individual leading and that we would never project our own leading on anybody else. I pray in these ways that you might bless what we're about to do. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.